people with and without disabilities come together to form strong, diverse communities. Good morning, I'm London Mitchell, and we are staying in contact here on Topath Radio. March is Developmental Disabilities Awareness Month. This is the opportunity to raise awareness about the inclusion of people with developmental disabilities in all facets of community life, as well as awareness of the barriers that people with disabilities still sometimes face in connecting to the communities in which they live. My guest this week is a former colleague of mine from when I manage public information for the Lucas County Board of Developmental Disabilities, Teresa Athade-Victor. She is presently working in direct care for Thompson Total Home Care. She's here with us to give some examples of how individuals with developmental disabilities can become more included in community life and can contribute. It is often attitudinal barriers that stand in the way of a person with disabilities from attaining full inclusion in our communities. And I've um, seen some of that as well. Um, but I think I'm optimistic enough that I've seen a lot of change occurring. And um, I hope that a lot of what people are doing today, myself included and different providers that we are in fact exposing people. And when I say exposing people, I mean community people that are non-disabled um, to people that maybe are different from them. Um, my side job right now, I got, I've got two part-time job ones. I don't, I don't know if you knew that. I also work at Starbucks. And uh, one of the first days that I started there, I actually had asked, is there a possibility of me bringing along and would you like someone with a disability to also be employed? And I would volunteer my time to be a job coach. Um, they were hesitant. Oh, we don't know about that, Teresa. Well, let's just, let's just, you know, employ you right now. And we'll talk about that later. And it's something that actually came up recently. And here it is two and a half, three years later. Um, I was asked to in fact have a program where we would bring in, some of our folks with intellectual disabilities to do a coffee tasting in the store, um, which was real interesting. Um, we have been asked to do a children's program in the store at Starbucks, where the author is going to come in like authors, authors, meet the author and um, read a book, a children's book. But it may be one or two of our folks who are going to be assisting them serving hot chocolate from Starbucks. Um, maybe even reading the story. Um, so I, I think there's a lot of opportunity for people to become involved. Um, I think we have to be creative and, and take the initiative um, as staff that are supporting them to expose them and, and help them experience new experiences. And that's for them and for non-disabled folks. What do you think is the biggest uh, misperception of a person with a developmental disability that the, the general public has? Scary, so different from me, um, afraid of them for no reason that they can even really even put into words sometimes. Um, never had um, an experience or a relationship with someone, a friendship with someone with a disability. Um, 
and more and more taking a smaller group and going to same places, consistent places, meeting, you know, consistent faces. Um, people are seeing more and more that, yeah, you know, it's just, you know, he reminds me so much of my son. You know, he, you know, um, I love the way he he sends me notes and drops them in the mobiles bag when I get my food. Boy, is he friendly, you know. Uh, she's such a who. Oh, is she funny and has a sense of humor? The little things that people pick up and see in um, the individuals that we support definitely brings them around and, and they're forming relationships and turning those into friendships. How do you get beyond that feeling of, as you put it, kind of scary? This is a person who is different from me. This is a person who may not, may not have the same capabilities as I mm-hmm. do. Mm-hmm. But we need to recognize that everybody can contribute. Jody and I, and, and I hope Jody will have an opportunity to talk to you in a few yeah. minutes. She likes to sew, but I think sewing is a little bit difficult for her. She's afraid of the needle on the machine. She's been pricked by a, a needle and thread. We started a sewing group that we're doing at one of the libraries and asked the librarian, the, is there space that we might be able to use? Um, she was very welcoming on the tail end of COVID now as we're just starting to open up. And we've started a sewing group that's fiber arts and opening it up to the entire community in Swan, bringing three individuals with us and inviting anyone else who would like to come. And we're providing hot chocolate and coffee and tea. Bring a bag lunch, stay as long as you want. We're there from 10 o'clock until four. And I'm there with another support person and we're bringing sewing machines and we're bringing all kinds of different fiber arts projects people are walking in curious what the sign was out in the in the in the library um, in the newsletter they have us also and two weeks ago we had five people brand new to us who came in thought they were going to come in to introduce themselves and end up staying the entire day with us um, we did more talking and introducing and um, kind of that break in the ice and, and kind of breaking some of those fears um, in talking to these, these women who came in, none of them had any experience with anybody with MR. Um, not a family member um, and they were extremely welcoming. And um, our folks were extremely welcoming. Um, and it just worked. They're very eager. When are you guys going to be back here? We want to come back. I have a spinning wheel I can bring to show you how, how to spin, you know, and things that I wouldn't dream of. They're going to come and show us now. Instead of doing it every other week, we're hoping we can do it more often. And they are too. So when you would say, so how do you, how do you get over that fear and help people get over that fear? I, I think it's just letting them spend time. And, and letting the people be themselves and um, show them, you know, oh, Jody can do this. And, and Jody, come over here. I'll show you. Um, and they were even helping with some of the ladies that we had. Um, I had one lady who needed to use the restroom. I said, oh, I said, all right, let's take a short break. And one of these women immediately said, oh, I'm going to go to the restroom. You can come with me, Lisa. <laughs> so, so, you know, it, yeah, yeah. Um, I, I think they, with a little bit of time, it takes very little for them to see 
who they are and they're they're very very much people that they want to spend time with and get to know so often over the years over the decades individuals with developmental disabilities were shunned put away put in institutions now there's an opportunity to really make our community more inclusive so there are opportunities for i would say uh, religious congregations social groups neighbors to reach out and say hey you know let's let's include everyone james dung i know you know um, he does free little library boxes and um, books are gathered and um, donated and he does small presentations in order to people to give him books to supply these boxes that he has. Mm-hmm. There's one at Pearson Park and there's another one out at Mommy Bay State Park, which is his neck of the woods and and placed there specifically because it's close to him and maybe not for me or you know someone who's in Toledo. But um, we had a call from the Metro Parks um, not even two weeks ago, and Toledo Public School is going to start doing chess instruction, chess game, uh, you know, uh, board, you know, chess, playing chess. They're going to start teaching and instructing it to kids after school hours at Wildwood. And what they asked us is if we had, and does James have? another library box he may want to put in and install at Wildwood specifically for chess games and that we would make sure it was always filled with chess boards and pieces. Absolutely, we will. <laughs> and we and we did have an extra box. But I'm thinking, I was so excited just to hear the phone call from the Metro Parks who knew that we had other boxes and said, hey, let's check with them, see if they've got another one, which, which again, only spreads some of that that work that he does and and helps him inspire other people. They asked if we could do something on the side of the box that was James's story. Um, they want to do a small article in their newsletter about James and what how he got started with free little library boxes. Um, I think little things like that, and the more they happen, and you know, even ask, you know, would you like to put, you know, something like this in a newsletter for the library or or for a community mobile meals in recognition for you know the routes that we've been doing? Yes, we'd love you to recognize one of our folks, and and people see that and read those. Let's talk a bit about language. Over the years, we've we've become more sensitized to the language we use. It's not. Joe is disabled, but Joe is an individual, a person who may use a wheelchair. We don't like to call people retarded anymore because that really reinforces what a person cannot do. And we're not really focused on what a person with a disability can do. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And more recently, and, and you know as well as I do, um, someone with mental retardation, someone with an intellectual disability, someone with a developmental disability. I don't even say that anymore. I'm bringing along a couple of friends um, and um, kind of I, I let them take it for what it's worth. I've got folks that belong to different organizations with Girl Scouts. And, and, the, and the organizations that I've been connected to and I know people and I know people fairly well those are the ones I'm going to introduce some of my friends to. And it's amazing to me how friends of friends and the networking that goes on and the invitations that come out of those meetings 
And I never said mental retardation, disability. I, I, I never said a word. I said I was bringing a friend or two. I do keep the numbers small. I, I do those first introductions with one or two people. I don't like even more than three or four when I go out to do whether it's anything. And, and blending occurs a whole lot better with smaller groups. Teresa Athade Victor, my guest, as we mark March as Developmental Disabilities Awareness Month. And now to some stories breaking over the past few days that, in my opinion, we should be tracking. There is debate in the Ohio legislature on whether rolling back Ohio's latest gas tax increase would really provide any relief at the pump. You see, unlike the sales taxes we pay when buying items, Ohio's gas taxes are not tied to prices, but the volume of fuel we buy. By now, you have probably heard that as of June 12th, we no longer need a permit or training to carry a concealed handgun in Ohio. One of the big concerns from law enforcement's point of view is the piece of the legislation that individuals will no longer have to proactively tell police officers during traffic stops that they're armed. As for the upcoming election, we are now entering the home stretch. Debates are being scheduled, but Governor DeWine says he will not participate in a gubernatorial debate later this month. Speaking of the governor, he has signed the bill temporarily loosening deadlines for military voters to receive and return their mail ballots because of the delay in finalizing that redistricting map. That's our program for this week. I invite your comments at my webpage, londonmitchell.news. And please join us again at the same time next week here on Towpath Radio when we will again be staying in contact.